Welcome back to History List. In 1919, the following excerpts were written by a Swiss symphonic conductor, Ernest Ansermet, in a piece titled On a Negro Orchestra. The blues occurs when the Negro is sad, when he is far from his home, his mother, or his sweetheart, when he thinks of a motif or a preferred rhythm and takes his trombone or his violin or his banjo or his clarinet or his drum or else he sings or simply dances, and on the chosen motif he plumbs the depths of his imagination. This makes his sadness pass away. It is the blues. There is in the Southern Syncopated Orchestra an extraordinary clarinet virtuoso who is, so it seems, the first of his race to have composed perfectly formed blues on the clarinet. I've heard two of them, which he elaborated at great length. They are admirable equally for their richness of invention, their force of accent, and their daring novelty and unexpected turns. These solos already show the germ of a new style. Their form is gripping, abrupt, harsh, with a brusque and pitiless ending, like that of Bach's second Brandenburg Concerto. I wish to set down the name of this artist of genius. As for myself, I shall never forget it. It is Sidney Bechet. This, then, was the first review of a jazz concert. Bechet was the first great jazz soloist, playing clarinet in the U.S. and France. In the early 1920s, he made his first recordings, a year after Louis Armstrong. The parallels between the two are striking. Both came from New Orleans and were only a few years apart in age. They had both played with King Oliver, Armstrong professionally in Chicago, and again with Armstrong, Bechet helped develop swing as a distinct type of jazz from Oliver's Dixieland and Ragtime. But it was not the clarinetist, but the trumpet-playing Louis Armstrong, who would go on to capture the world's imagination and become synonymous with the early days of jazz. Between 1925 to 27, Armstrong recorded his groundbreaking Hot Five and Hot Seven records, which featured legendary solos and Armstrong's signature scatting. Within a decade, jazz had become a global phenomenon, the first major musical innovation of the recording era. People from Harlem to London to Tokyo were listening to jazz by the mid-30s. Big names followed, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Cab Calloway. Early on, as our Swiss conductor noted, the overlap between jazz and blues was difficult to untangle. Many jazz standards have blues in the title, like St. James Infirmary Blues. But as Armstrong and others charted the territory of jazz, the blues split off during these same years. It's worth recalling that the 20th century produced all sorts of major popular musical forms, but that America, and especially black Americans, led the way on almost all of them. Jazz, blues, soul and R&B, rock and roll, and hip-hop, all of them pioneered by black Americans. There were exceptions, of course, like electronica, mostly from Germany, reggae from Jamaica, musicals from white America. But it is striking how Armstrong led the way for a global musical revolution. Jazz kept evolving, 
and Armstrong by the 1940s was seen as sort of a grand old man. The big swing bands that had been popular in New York, St. Louis, and Hollywood, to which the world danced through the 1920s and 30s, disappeared in the war-torn 1940s. The men were enlisting and helping the war effort. Armstrong's style of jazz was waning, and the small set, picture the jazz combo of three or four on a stage, was developed, largely by Nat King Cole, as a consequence of the 1940s. Well into the 50s, though, and early 60s, jazz was synonymous with sophistication and cool, embraced by white America and audiences all over. Louis Armstrong became more famous in these years as a singer, notably his rendition of Wonderful World, and acted in movies well into the 1960s, dying in 1971 at the age of 69. Louis Armstrong and a handful of others represent a black artistic elite in America in an era when Jim Crow and segregation was rampant, and hundreds were being lynched in counties across the country. His acceptance into white society made him something of an early civil rights pioneer in a time when barriers were being broken in sports, art, literature, and other fields. Armstrong lived long enough to see a black American, Ralph Bunch, win the Nobel Peace Prize in 1950 and the passage of both the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Act, ending formal segregation. He even spoke out against President Eisenhower not doing enough to integrate schools. From music to cosmology, we travel next to California and the furthest reaches of the universe, next time on History List. <laughs>